In this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, we're discussing slow fashion in Spotify's green room. What is slow fashion and how do we adopt it? Welcome to Raising Your Consciousness. So this is a green room original show and this conversation takes place every Thursday at 11pm BST on Green Room. So I'm going to do my usual introduction about myself um, just before we kick things off and, and more people join the conversation. So um, I have a passion for sustainability and entrepreneurship, as some of you guys might know. Um, I enjoy helping ethical and sustainable fashion brands make an impact. So my question really is, have you worked so hard on your business and tried to make an impact with no results? I understand this struggle. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years, working with specifically with small independent fashion businesses for the past five years. Um, I know sustainability can be um, a journey and it can feel like a hope uphill struggle. Sometimes you can feel like you're not making ground. Amber Cola. Um, and I help independent fashion businesses grow and innovate so they can solve key sustainability issues that help reduce waste. My next question is, how do you eat an elephant? I hear this question all the time and people say one bite at a time. So my solution to how to make an impact, I would say one person at a time. And that is why we're here at Raising Your Consciousness. This is a podcast show that I've put together to help bring sustainability conversation to the everyday consumer. And I think Spotify Green Room is the perfect platform for this conversation. So thanks for joining me. Um, So, um, yeah, so we're going to get started on the main conversation today, which is um, about slow fashion. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing definitions to help you to help you raise your consciousness about ethical and sustainable issues that affect us all. And I'm using the Good On You glossary for sustainable fashion to help guide the discussion um, and provide some insights on the key points that we're talking about. So if you do want to get a copy of the glossary, I always say just message me on Instagram, DM me, and I'll send you the link to the glossary that we're following. So this week on the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, we're speaking about slow fashion. So slow fashion is the opposite of fast fashion. It's a movement and approach to fashion, which consists of processes and resources required to make clothing. So particularly focusing on sustainability. So um, it means buying better quality garments less often and garments that would last for longer. Um, And it values fair treatment of people, planet and animals. And um, so the first question that I have based on that and the conversation that we had last last on the last show was about fast fashion has fast fashion mindset taken over the consumer behavior and how do we start to adopt the slow fashion mindset so if you've got some thoughts on this you can definitely raise your hand and come and contribute to that first question and start the discussion so and raise your hand and I'll bring you up onto the stage and we can start the conversation amazing Samuel great to have you here Hi, I'm fine, thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. 
Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts? Has the fast fashion mindset overtaken the consumer behaviour? How do we start to adopt the slow fashion mindset? Um, how do we, well, has it taken over the consumer culture? I mean, I think that's a, a bit of a, uh, a rhetorical question, right? I mean, or, or rather, a, <laughs> it's, I think we, we know that. Um, it's just that. the third conversation starter. Some people might not, <laughs> some people might be listening to this podcast and just have learned about fast fashion and the dangers. That's so your absolute right. And that's slow fashion might be a new concept to them. So yeah, has, has the mindset taken over consumer behavior? What do you think? Um, I think that it, it absolutely has, and and um, and and the more that we identify it uh, as such, I think the more we can start to address it. Um, the uh, this the idea of slow fashion. Um, I I come to the word from actually there's something called the slow flower movement because um, there are the practices of the of, I guess the floral trade um, are really pretty bad uh, just in terms of the fact that you know where you're you're cutting flowers or um, you know in one part of the world and then putting them on a plane and sending them to another part of the world and they're only lasting for however long you know a, a bloom will last that um, isn't going to be dried and doesn't isn't connected to its own um, you know life force you know it, it's, yeah. it's a cut flower right so yeah. it's um it, it's 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 really interesting that uh, you know that that's something that we we disengage in so um, blindly, and then when you start to think about it, you're like, well, that's really kind of crazy because flowers grow everywhere. Yeah, and, and beyond them growing everywhere, you can yeah. also grow them in a hot house. You, know, you can you can you can you can grow something really um, really easily, especially if it's just for um, decoration, right? So you know, the slow flower movement is basically it's like nothing beyond fifty mile radius. You design in season, um, and you base you base your expectations on that. So for me, it's slow fashion is just another, you know, it's a, it's a continuation of that wherein, you know, you don't get everything you, you necessarily, um, you know, can find all over the world at any given time because you're making a concerted effort to slow down the consumption, to, to take things, you know, under much more consideration and, and use, uh, you know, all of your faculties and really weigh what it is that you need something for. And, and it, it slows down the process. It's not, slow in, in anything detrimental it's slow as just considered and and yeah. uh, and and, uh, and consciously done yeah yeah definitely and i think that leads me on to the next question and um those of you that have just joined the room i'll just um do a, the introduction the part of what we're talking about today is slow fashion so i'll just give you the definition and then you can raise your hand to join this conversation so Slow fashion is the opposite to fast fashion. So we've had a conversation about fast fashion in the past. And the slow fashion movement is basically an approach to fashion, which considers the process and resources required to make clothing, particularly focusing on sustainability. So it means buying better quality garments. It means buying less often and buying things that last for longer. And it values fair treatment of people, animals and the planet. So me and Samuel just been discussing the, the basic simple answer or the basic simple question, has fast fashion mindset taken over the consumer behaviour, which we definitely think it has. But I'm just posing that question to get into your minds the con contrast between slow fashion and fast fashion. So, Samuel, um, can we slow down our fashion consumption as a planet? That's really 
the next question that I have based on the back of what you've just said. And anyone else that wants to contribute, just raise your hand and I'll bring you up. Can we? I mean, um, we we have to. Um, whether or not that is something that is communicated from the consumer to the manufacturer or if a manufacturer and designer takes it upon themselves, something really needs to change because um, we know that it's not sustainable. We know that, I mean, how many how many pounds or tons rather of, of clothing is made every year? Um, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's something a trillion, right? It's some, it's outrageous. It's something really high. Um, and, uh, and that's every year, but you know, that we don't wear, we don't have that many people. We can't wear all that stuff. So where does it go? If it's not being recycled in some way, it goes into a landfill or it stays in your closet and then ultimately lands up, winds up in a landfill or is, is, is um, you know, entered into the, this, uh, the second cycle somehow. But, um, you know, we, we need to be more, we need to be more conscientious of the second cycle and how we can, you know, be better players in it. Because I think right now everyone just thinks of, you know, maybe a goodwill, let's say, or the real real. And there's really kind of no, uh, there's not enough attention given to the people who are reworking clothes, um, who are, you know, sort of restyling things and, and finding a way to, to make something old new again. Um, and, yeah. and that's just to say that there's also, I think, also a, um, uh, uh, some perception that, um, let me put it this way. I remember once I had found a, uh, a, a jacket from like 1960, like late 60s uh, in, in the, the attic at my grandmother's place. Um, and I was in high school. And it looks just like something that Prada had done that season. And I brought it down. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to take this home. And it was like, great. And I remember walking, wearing it out to something at school. And I told him, I was like, I'm like, I, I told my mother, I'm going to tell people this is Prada. And she goes, okay. And I had also changed the buttons. Like I went to M&J. Like, I, you know, it looked really sleek. And I was like, well, you know, Samuel, uh, real people, real, real fashionable people wear vintage. And that clicked yeah. for me. I was like, huh. So it's actually much more interesting that it's in fact something that is from the late sixties and not the fact that it's Prada because Prada, Prada probably had something, you know, that they found out in the market and they just copied it or, re, you know, and, and yeah. tweaked it a little yeah. bit. And that's what a lot of designers do, uh, which is fine. You know, it's just, I mean, it is what it is. Aliyah, you know, it turns out he has his own archives of like 30,000 pieces which is amazing um, because he's using them as reference or he did. Um, but the idea that everything has to be new all the time is one that is not only not sustainable, but it's just not reverential. And, and I, I do wish that, you know, we'll come to a place where, where we can communicate that at all. Um, Samuel, you've gone on mute. Yes, I, I was, I was finished. Um <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Okay. Yeah, so um, we've got Rome up. Rome, do you want to go and answer the question before I move on to the next question? Yeah, the, I think the product, I agree with uh, Samuel, and I think the problem with that is most people aren't free thinkers, and therefore they're followers. So they're being bombarded between now the internet television, radio, magazines, different things of types of media um, are constantly bombarding them that we are in a microwave society and basically they follow trends and trends basically control people's minds and therefore they go out and spend on the cheap product which doesn't last long. Can um, I ask my next question? 
just yeah. because it ties into what you're saying. And then maybe you might have more to add as well, because I really like your train of thought. I think the, the train of thought is tied into what Samuel was saying as well. So my next question was, it's about a concept called planned obsolescence. So that is um, basically planned obsolescence is when producers produce um, a product with the, the end expiry date um, in mind so that you have to get the new and um, new version of this product. So my question is, is planned obsolescence the issue with our products today or is it consumer demand for new trends? So I just wanted to throw that in there just for something for you to think about as well. Is it the way they're producing the products to expire or is it actually the, the trends that is driving the overproduction? So go ahead, Rome, continue. Okay, believe it or not, um, I'm going to yield to Tristan because he deals with that. He makes clothes. Um, okay. And this is right down his alley. So, Tristan, if you want to, you no, can go ahead. What was the question? I'm sorry. So, basically, I was talking about the, the fact that um, producers plan obsolescence into their some of their products. So, they plan yeah. the expiry date so that you always need the new version of something. So, I'm asking really... And Rome, you can chime in with what you were saying as well to complete your thought. But I just wanted to find out in this conversation as well: is it the pla- is it the producers planning the expiry of their garments and their products, or is it the consumer demand for new trends that is really driving um, the overconsumption? Well, I think um, well, I think um, right now at this current point we're in right now, there are a lot of um, smaller brands and emerging brands that are. Um, changing this to the trend we have now where more people are demanding or inquiring about um, how their clothes are made. And I think it's a generational um, gap too. And unfortunately, older generations aren't as um, likely to adopt it, but it's changing very quickly. And whether it's the the fusion lines with the major brands that were trying to um, expand their brand, they're adopting these trends from these smaller brands because a lot of Zennials, millennials and younger, they're really into this. So they are changing it. But it's uh, the question right now is, is it going to change quick enough to affect the entire world? Because it has to be a global conscious effort for this to really uh, change. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. OK, I'll, I'll finish on that. So I think it's a combination of both, Bacola. I think that, um, you know, it's almost like the, the it's very similar to the life imitating art, imitating life. Uh, type of situation is where, you know, the designers can say, yeah, well, there's more demand because people want more. But, you know, it's almost like, uh, what am I, the power of suggestion. You've been around smokers before, and all it takes is for one person to light up a cigarette, and next thing you know, the six other people out of the ten that smoke, they're going to fire up within 30 seconds to a minute because the power of suggestion from the person who lit up the cigarette makes them do it. Uh, I think it's very similar to that. You know, power of suggestion yeah. is really strong. So if people are constantly, you're constantly being bombarded with uh, different cues, different by cues from all these different sources, people can't help it. And, you know, people realize that, hey, everything is throwaway, you know. And then, of course, you know, you have people that are making tons of clothing for really, really cheap. And the quality isn't good, you know. People don't people don't take the time to look. Is this double stitch? Is it triple stitch? Is it folded two times over and then stitched? 
And then they complain that yeah. I just bought this and look at that. The seam is busting too. Well, you only paid $5 for it as opposed to the person who paid $20 for the same garment. Um, so I'm into yeah. slow fashion. I mean, I didn't even really know what it was. I took a guess. But based on what you said, I'm a slow fashion person. I try to buy quality, which I mentioned before. Yeah. Don't need a lot of clothes. You know, just buy quality pieces, mix and match, and that works. Yeah. Yeah, Rome. Well, I did get the idea that you were a slow fashion person from the last conversation, but that's why I'm bringing these de- definitions to um, the podcast, Raising Your Consciousness, so that people actually know um, and can identify with the, the definitions and, and be able to start more conversations with other people about these concepts. So I really love that. I really love that you're on board um, with this um, concept. Um, Samuel? Yeah, so um, just in terms of uh, you know, raising consciousness um, you know, and, and the notion of planned obsolescence, um, which is actually one of my favorite, um, <laughs> my favorite horrible things, uh, planned obsolescence, um, if, if anyone's familiar with the Electrolux vacuum, um, that's a great way to, to unpack planned obsolescence because, in fact, it was one of the first things designed under planned obsolescence. And um, what it means is that you know, something is from its, from its inception and, it's des- and, and when it's designed and when you're thinking about the production of it, you've already, you've already built into it that there will be one or several that come after it at a certain point in time, and it will either be sleeker or better made or faster or in some way better than the one before it, even though the one before it doesn't need to be replaced, or you could just go ahead and make the one after it first. So the technology or the craftsmanship is ahead of its time, but you're going to hold off on it and make something so that when, when they've run the course of, of that lifespan of that product, they can reintroduce the next one and say, Hey, now you need this thing. Apple is very, um, you know, it, it, that's yeah. an Apple thing as well. Is is very much, you know, um, sort of a, a, a more modern example. But if you look at the Electrolux vacuums, you know, it started in like 1910, I think, and then it goes, you know, from like 1910 to like 1924. It's basically is like there's like four models, and then 19 in 1924 to 1927, there's a model, and then in 1927 they go to like there's one from 1927 to 1930. And then in 1930, it goes to 1937 because it's the depression and they can't really get away with asking people to pay more. Okay, so 1937. And then it goes from 1937 to 1954 because it's post-war and people, you know, it's like the war and then post-war. So there's this thing of we can't manufacture stuff. We don't have the raw goods for it. We don't have the market share for it. We don't have the factories for it. Okay, so great. And then in 1954, it picks up again and pretty much like clockwork, every two to three years, there's a new Electrolux all the way up yes. to the 80s and 90s. And so, you know, it's, it's amazing because that, that, that right there is the idea of we have a product, we have a consumer. How do we get the consumer to buy the product? Planned obsolescence. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, the more people understand that that's a thing, um, you know, the, the more conscious they'll be of why do I feel the need to buy this thing? Why, why, why am I buying something that, that, you know, that I wore 20 years ago? Why is it here again? You know, there's this whole notion of, of this, um, this secular, um, you know, the cycle of fashion. And, and the, the joke used to be, you know, if you wore it the first time, you can't wear it the second time. But it's sped up to such a rate now where invariably you, you probably will because um, we're just mining things that we've done before to get people to buy something new. And if you adopt a notion of uh, style over fashion or sort of a classicism over trends, um, then, then 
you're already switching the paradigm a little bit, uh, the way that you start to you consume yourself. Yeah, love that. And I love the way you brought that down, because I think that is really a secret sin that consumers don't know is happening to them and taking place that it is obvious, glaringly obvious when you think about it. But the, the way that it's actually deliberately done is something that people are probably not aware of. So they, they assume that they're just buying the latest thing, the, the new thing, and they think they need to have the new thing, but they're just being played really. Um, and I think that's an important thing for people to think about. If you want to slow down your consumption, you need to start thinking about buying durable products and who who's making those products that last. So that's my question, um, really. Ibrahim, do you have some input yeah. that you'd like to share? Well, I think it's very easy to manipulate the world. Oh, thank you, Abraham. Thanks for your contribution. What is a freaking world? Okay, I'm going to move you back to the audience now. I love you. <laughs> okay, bye bye. Okay. I love you again. I love you. Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I'm nearly like it's been a really, really interesting and detailed conversation. And um I've only got one final question really. Um, but maybe we can mill on this a little bit longer um to try and get to some solutions. And I think You've got Kerry on the stage. And um, before I move to my final question, Kerry, um, you've been listening for a while. Did you have a contribution about plant obsolescence or um, consumer demand for trends and things like that? Or what was your contribution? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. And, and don't apologize for the kiddos. That was amazing. I love this sort of organic movement to like being okay with background noise in um, our professional communications. I think it's I think it's great. Um, no worries. Side note. <laughs> um, as far as um, the the plant obsolescence, I don't even know if it's obsolescence. 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 Yeah. I know it's a tongue twister. Yeah, right. Um, there's so many words that, like, I know what they mean. I'm sure if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, I know that word. But getting them out of my mouth is tricky some days. Um I yeah, and I don't know if this is um, if I have like an answer to it, but just kind of in along in tandem with um, that idea and clothing in specific. Um, I know that I have found when I go to a regular like department store and I look at all the new clothes, I have a much harder time like deciding what it is. Like I just want one of each because I really love clothes, (laughs) but I support the whole slow fashion movement. Um, Turns out inadvertently in some ways, because when I go to like a thrift store or a resale store, um, I'm limited as to what I can buy. Right. It's not, um, Oh, this is cute. They have it in my size. So I'm going to grab it. Yeah. Realize it doesn't really fit me, sit on it for a long time. And then it ends up in a, in a dump. Right. When I go to a resale store, I'm limited by my options, and that almost makes it more fun because it's more like a, a hunt as opposed to yeah, it's like a treat. To me. 
Yeah. So that's kind of the mindset that I take on when I do clothing shopping. Um, and then the other thing that I'm really terrible about is giving stuff away again, unless it's like actually ruined. <laughs> and by actually okay. ruined means I've worn it to work in a kitchen and it's covered in grease, which, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And so I, um, I think being really aware of the companies that like hold things back and release it in order to make it seem new and improved when it's just kind of more updated is going to be really um, important when it comes to the whole slowing down movement. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, as far as Apple goes, you know, sometimes even the changes that they make with their new iterations aren't improvements, you know, <laughs> like I've, I've heard a couple of Apple users just be like, oh, yeah, I got the newest version. I don't like it as much as this old version. Yeah. Because of yeah. this, that, or the other. So I think just being aware of what features we're looking for, like in clothing, um, and then being intentional. Like, why do you love that shirt? Is it because somebody popular wore it? Or is it because of how it fits you in particular? Is it the cut? Is it the color? Is it the texture of the textiles? Um, really looking at those nuances from why you love things. Carrie, I love so much that you... <laughs> Carrie, I love so much that you brought that up because I think that that's such an important... Um, way to 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 monitor oneself or to, or to sort of police oneself because I, you know I do the same thing like I I I and I another thing I learned from my mother um, I will not buy anything unless it's on sale I just won't <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's just I, it's like it, it, I, it's I cannot I know what markups are and I know you know how much junk there is in this world and I know how easy it is to to um, you know become uh, just you know inundated with having, you know, with, with the stuff and, and what that means for your own finances. And so I just will not buy anything unless it's on sale. And so does that mean that I miss out on certain, you know, quote unquote trends or things that I really want? Sure. But ultimately, you know, I don't remember them. <laughs> like it doesn't, I, I, it's, you know, if there's something that, you know, I like constantly think about, then I'll try and find it, you know, in the secondary market, because I know that it's something that I actually truly love. And that it's probably not trend driven. It's something that I really connect with on a, on a deeper level. Um, and you know, and and when you're, and when you do shop sales, you're often able to get things that do last longer at a much better uh, price. So instead of spending, you know, like eighty dollars on something from Zara, you know, at, you know, that's gonna who knows what's gonna happen. To that if it touches water, it's done. But um, you know, that $80, you know, if, if, if I, if I, you know, I'm a good shopper and I wait around, you know, that, that could wind up being something that was $300 beforehand uh, and you get it on a great sale. And so it also, it, it narrows the framework and there's still so many options. You know, it's, it's, um it's amazing how much really is out there and, and how much is, uh, I mean, we, we even still have dead stock from, from like the forties, you know, it's, there's really, there's so, so much. Um, and if anyone's you know, listening, it's really interesting that comes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but oh, I was just going to finish up with, yeah. with, uh, with ukes.com is really great at, at, uh, you know, having sales in their warehouse is like entirely searchable and, and you can, you can search for things based on pretty much any parameter you could possibly imagine, including, uh, composition, but yes, Carrie, go ahead. Oh, what was the name of that website real quick? Like, okay. It's ukes, Y O O X.com. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's really one of my favorites. They've, they've gotten more, um, quote unquote trendy in their messaging, but if you just sort of like start searching for things, um, there's, there's so much and it's really, 
it's a great deal. And you can often find things that are beautifully made for very little. Yes. I think where some of this starts to fall apart is um, the effects that scarcity, you know, people think that that scarcity is, is a mindset and that it is um, optional. And sometimes I don't think that that's the truth. Um, as far as hunting sales and stuff go, you have a large population of people who are operating from a scarcity mindset as a um, defense mechanism to their socioeconomic standing or, um, you know, just for a variety of reasons. And if they're unaware of that sort of space, then yes, they will you know, shop sales, but with totally different um, intentions. Well, that's like that, that, that brings us to the... Is a lot different. Sorry. Um... No, go ahead. No, it's, uh, sorry, Carrie. It's um, the volume uh, is a little softer, so I, I'm not. I couldn't hear you. I apologize. Um, the uh, that brings up, you know, like like uh, De Beers, right? How many diamonds are in this world, and yet, you know, they they've they've put them all away, and so you know, you know, it's 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 a it's a, a very disingenuous, um, you know, sort of uh, concept that you know, X, Y, and Z is, is so limited because, you know, we know that not, that's not always the case. And yet we still, um, buy into that. Uh, another side note, estate jewelry, fabulous things there go for that stuff. Cause that inherently is about the real value of something, right? It's the value of the raw of, of the gold and the diamonds and whatever, you know, however many carrots and then the craftsmanship that went into it. And then that's pretty much it because unless it's a really important piece of jewelry, there's nothing else wrapped up in that. And that's a great way. I find to, um, you know, to, to have beautiful things, uh, but, but get them honestly. The notion that, um, you know, that, that uh, a Cartier love bracelet should cost as much as it does is just ridiculous. Uh, you know, and, and so many people have them. Like, why, do you even want, why, why would one even want it at this point? I just, I, I would, I, I would uh, someone before was, was talking about, um, I think, uh, was, it, was it Ron, about the, the fact that the consumer is, 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 uh, is a bit of a sheep as Rome as can be a bit of a sheep. And, um, and I hate that notion, but it, it can be very true. And, and I do think that we need to promote, you know, self-expression and, and being able to, uh, you know, find one's own. That's because they push. I think that's because people push status symbols, as you just mentioned, you know, why the, so many people have that Cartier bracelet. It's be it's, I guess, for some, it makes them feel better. Oh, look what I have. You know, I don't know whether it makes them feel like they've arrived or it's the same. Every industry uses it. Aspirational, know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They play on people's psyche. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's how I see it. Built into us, biologically speaking, because if we have, you know, in caveman days, if we had status, we survived, you know, we, we lived. Now we have access to resources a lot differently now, and we should be stewards of our resources a lot differently now. But really is ingrained in our very nature to um, stockpile, you know, buying a bunch of things because they're on sale and, and not really taking the time to, like, plan out exactly how long it'll take you to go through 15 cases of toilet paper, <laughs> you know? Yeah, People yeah. don't take the time yeah, to do that. And the same goes for fashion, like they'll stockpile or they'll buy things for other people because it's on sale only to have that other person like not want it, not use it and just, you know, create that sort of environmental clutter until they 
get rid of it and create like a larger environmental issue by throwing it out or whatever. So um, I think it's great yeah. to repurpose and to reuse things. Um, what does it make? Make do, make new, or do without. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, reuse, but yeah, reuse, I think just raising recycle. that consciousness is so important. So thank you, Fukuola, for sure, for um, the the passion and the steps that you're taking. No worries. I've got um, one final question, and I hope we can dig into this a little bit, um, really, because um, for our listeners as well, um, I really love what you guys have been saying, and you really have like the right mindset um, for slow fashion, and you really understand the concept. So my question really is how do we get more people to embrace the slow fashion mindset so how how do we get people to kind of move away from that hoarding mentality from that sheep mentality and really start taking responsibility for their own um their own choices and, and choosing making choosing right making the right choices when it comes to fashion how do we get that mindset well, I think we're doing it right now. And whether you use the terms ethical manufacturing, sustainable fibers, any of these words, 10 years ago, these words weren't even in the zeitgeist. And it's really a grassroots movement, whether it's this app or I'm on the streets, smaller labels. At the end of the day, it's the consumer who decides and makes the fashion labels bend to their will. And there is a way to make great fashion at a decent price point for anybody. And there's always going to be these bigger brands doing whatever, but it can be done. It's just, it's a very slow process. The power of the consumer. Absolutely. Well, and I think just really allowing people to adjust to the mindset that the digital layer is, it gives us access to so much more, but it also really kind of brings back the uh, mom and pop store and the small time, sort of uh, main street mentality where you have like the one shop local person yeah shop local well local is a lot different now with fashion because you can find these boutique sort of creators and if we give them more attention than the mass producers then they'll be able to have more individual buyers and be able to lower their price point and not be so exclusive, but, but more um, unique as opposed to exclusivity. Right. Yeah. But my question on that, um, Kerry is really about the power of fast fashion compared to slow fashion. So at the moment we've got fast fashion is like a, a machine on its own. It's got funds, it's got advertising budget. It's got a lot of gusto to kind of get in front of the consumer and, and kind of play play to their needs and desires. Um, where slow fashion is not really funded, these independents don't really have that marketing budget and things like that to get in front of consumers. So what are your thoughts as a consumer in terms of like finding independent brands that you can support? Well, there are a lot of... Uh... Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, um, you know, I think that comes down to um, platform and then the messaging of a platform, um, creating a centralized, decentralized fashion space um, online. Um, that becomes a place that people go to to find their unique um, creator, 
the same you would with um, you know content or um, you know uh, what are some other sort of platform yeah. apps that started out to serve a small. I wanted to pose a question to to Samuel as well off the back of what you're saying. So in terms of like um, shopping local, and we're saying that we can we can access independent brands more easily online. So then would that not affect the carbon footprint? So if we're coming back to sustainability, is slow fashion actually sustainable? Because the whole point is being sustainable. So Samuel, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that there's um, there's a there's a few different uh, actors and uh, components of what makes things to be unsustainable um, uh, versus you know. Okay, so I think that there's like probably like three or four ways to go about this. One of which would be to um, to establish a uh, a centralized hub of where a consumer can find sustainable things more easily, right? Um, but with that you know, it, it, there's, there's uh, a bunch of time, money and, um, an effort, you know, human, like, like human uh, capital that needs to go into making sure that the way that that thing is that, that site or that centralized space is built is one in such a way that it is not just attractive to a consumer, but one that they can understand to be valuable. So there's gotta be very strong, um, storytelling, it needs to feel also, as we're saying, aspirational in a way. It has to be beautiful. Um, the, the garments can't sort of just be photographed by whomever and thrown up there. Like it needs to be, um, something that is, is consciously done. And, and that's, that's difficult sometimes. Um, that's a lot of, uh, that's a, that's a lot of, unless everyone sends their things to a central place and that becomes the, the distribution center, which could also be one way to do it. And they could photograph everything there and have a consistent look. Uh, it's very it's very hard to to um, to produce uh, you know imagery at uh, at a level that one likes to see when you really have no budget or you have no experience doing so, um, and so there's that. Um, and the other side of things that I could see would be to repatriate um, production of certain of, of garments uh, to various um, market you know to, to places that are closer to the markets in which the clothing will be sold. And the reason I say that is because the one of the most unsustainable things of fast fashion is the human toll and what that looks like, not just in um, what people are paid or their working conditions, but also life expectancy and, um, and, you know, it's just general well being. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, we can, we we're, we far too often wrap up in quote unquote sweatshop, but it's even the, like, you know, it's even the people who are, who are uh, producing the cotton, um, you know, in, in like Bangladesh, you know, who who are going into debt as farmers and then committing suicide because they can't produce a yield that fits yeah. what they need to do to get to market. Um, you know, it, it's 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 really, I think, as the clo- as clothing manufacturing moved further abroad and overseas into corners of the world that that the consumer has no connection with, um, the lack of transparency became it, it was just. It became such an opaque. Sorry. The transparency. The lack of transparency becomes so transparent. I wish that were the case, right? Um, and, you know, even here, you know, people are just screaming from the rooftops about this, and 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 it just came out, you know, that that Jeff Bezos's uh, trip to the moon received about as much coverage in one day as climate change did all year. 
Um, you know, it, it's just it's the the lack of transparency is transparent to the people who are looking for it. But the wool <laughs> is still pulled over everyone's eyes, uh, which, by the way, wool it turns out is probably one of the most sustainable um, uh, things that that you can um, uh, use, uh, and it has so many different uses and comes in so many different weights that you know that would be a great, interesting thing to maybe work with wool uh, on their rebranding or how they can you know be a better player. But you know maybe maybe we do need more sheep, um, you know, to, uh, here in the United States that we can be creating uh, you know those things. I think that the um, the access for younger designers uh, to manufacturing techniques um, is also important in that regard in terms of, um, you know, what is, what is unsustainable or, or even can they fill, can they fill what the market would desire from them? Uh, you know, if you're a younger brand, you have less capital um, and your connections are not necessarily, you know, really secured. And so, you know, someone could just cut you in line in a factory and be like, Oh, I need like 3000 units. And the factory will do that order instead. <laughs> I do have another question really on this because I see a bit of a conundrum in my mind. Um, maybe and I'm rambling. Guys... I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, it could. Um, my, my question really is like, if we're thinking about slow fashion and the fact that it's supposed to be durable, quality garments used less often, um, that lasts for longer, and we, we and we're saying that independent brands are probably the best way to go shop local etc how can we do that on scale because once you start scaling when you were talking about a particular platform where you can you can source or find brands then am, am i thinking e-commerce? because then i think of amazon and i think that is not like a reflection of a sustainable model but it's just, it's just a reflection of a, a global model of a hub where you can find anything that you want. So that's the conundrum in my mind. I'm trying to understand how to scale. Well, the, the, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's a really simple answer. And the answer is it will not look like Amazon. It cannot be in Amazon. That notion of anything you want and whenever you want it is one that will not be available through that. And, and that's why it needs to look so good and be so nice and have a real consistent message of this is something that you want because the turnaround is, well, I can go get this over here for, you know, for less money and I can have it tomorrow. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it won't be the thing that is cheap. It won't be the thing that is hip. You know, you don't, you won't actually want it. You, you will, you will revile it and hopefully it'll, you know, it'll start to, um, you know, lose yeah. its market share. One, one thing that I, well, I think, scalability. well, I mean, I think scalability, listen, you know, art, art is, you know, it, some of it is, is limited edition. Some of it is one of a kind, but there's plenty of it. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, the idea that, you know, you can buy something from a brand, but there's lots of different things that you can get from one brand. Sure. Only, you know, if it's only a hundred or something is made, you know, that, that can be very, you know, transparent too. And there's a ticker at the bottom and it's like, you know, get it while it's still around, you know, or, you know, you got, you're in luck. There's this one left. Uh, I don't think that, that everyone will have everything um, that everybody else has, uh, you know, hopefully moving forward. And that, that should be embraced, not, not seen as a. Yeah, I've got a bit of a point to add as well. Yeah, in terms of the mindset, yeah, Kerry, in terms of the mindset, I've got a bit of a point to add that for millennium, hundreds of thousands of years, human beings have worn clothes. And um, the idea that shop local, produce local and, and wear what is available, I'm sure like the the the, the first humans that travelled 
all the way from the depths of Africa all the way to Europe wore shoes I don't think the wet went on that journey barefoot like what materials were they putting on their feet that lasted those journeys and and how how did they cover themselves and keep themselves warm and safe in these like different weather conditions and things like that we have existed for a long time with durable clothing if we think back to ancestors being clothed and um living locally and producing locally and um yeah so that concept of the mindset of human existence um I think is interesting for that I just wanted to put out there it is actually possible because we did that for longer than we've been doing this so um the idea of slow fashion is actually a human concept and the idea of fashion is a capitalist concept so are we just like in a bubble of capitalism thinking that we're going to solve the problem with e-commerce when really it's not it's really grow local produce local and clothe yourself locally well back then too they were limited by what resources they had access to so yeah you got dressed but maybe it was um uh a lot smaller of a wardrobe you had your everyday clothes and then you had like maybe a nicer set for some sort of ritual or tradition or, you know, um, occasion. But when that occasion was over, you packed those away again till the next occasion and wore the same thing until it was you know, worn out because you didn't have access. Well, isn't, isn't so that now so we happen? have this opposite problem where we have all this access, but we're still kind of operating under that just because we can, we should mentality. Um, well, and yeah, I, totally. I catch myself doing it, knowing full well that it's like, this biological thing in me that that ticks you know so that's just a really slow process and it it relates to all industries really too yeah so that really answers the question and when i was saying as a fashion mindset overtaking the consumer behavior then it totally has if we were consuming at a slower rate slow fashion is actually a natural setting for us if we think about it but who else wanted to chime in on that I would say that based on the question that you asked, slow fashion has been around forever in reality. What changed was going from dirt and cobblestone roads or pebble um, type of roads to more concrete uh, asphalt and concrete roads changed how shoes wear. Um, Most people men and women years ago made their own garments. What killed that was when the garment industry or when garments became an industry and everything started being mass produced. So yeah, you know, once something becomes a business and then someone starts to scale, usually the first thing you notice is the product changes and it's usually not for the better. It's usually because people want to make more money when they scale. That's why they do it. And usually if the person or the company doesn't always have the best interest of the consumer and the environment at heart, then something has to give. And so they cut back somewhere and it's usually in production and quality of the materials that they use. Anyway, this is how I've seen it. This is what I think I could be wrong because my thing is music, not fashion, but that's just my point of view. Well, I would say everyone thinks it's fashion. We all wear clothes. 
So fashion is for everybody. But yeah, sorry, Kerry, what were you saying? Oh, I was saying, um, I mean, even music can be diluted, you know, and that's what happens when you scale is you're diluting something. Um, and I think that that, that that thing is more often than not quality. Um, some aspect of the quality, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that um, for me as a, as a creator, granted fashion is not my personal creation, but when I think about like scaling my coaching business, you know, people have um, advised me that my business model is not scalable because it includes a lot of like personal access to me. And I think that as a creator, as a fashion creator, or as a consumer, we just need to understand people's stories, um, who's creating it a little bit more and understand, you know, make choices in our own story on, you know, do, is scalability really my number one concern? I mean, we can make more money, but what do you do with $1 trillion anyways? My, my question on scalability was really um, the point that everybody, 8 billion people or so coming up to 10 billion people in, in the next 20 or 30 years on this planet needs to wear clothes. And we're just um, headed for catastrophe if we're still wearing and consuming clothes in the way that we are. So something needs to change. And as Rome was saying, slow fashion has been here forever. So the whole point of can we return back to that mindset? Is it even possible to reset ourselves and say, actually, everyone needs to learn how to sew clothes that is um, a bit or mend clothes that is a basic human skill that you need to know, just like eating food and cooking food? Like, is is that is it possible to get us there that people are actually taking care of the garments and and um having that slow lifestyle that we've all we've been accustomed to for generations and generations before the past maybe I think it's possible but it relies on so many other like interconnected aspects on how we yeah I, I, it's so many interconnected absolutely Carrie. I, I think also terminology I think we might need to re, we might need to make a, a flip soon and start promoting it like I think that the the fact that it has the word fast in it is actually low-key desirable and so like fast fashion oh it's horrible but the but because of what it is linguistically you know, it, it, or rather um you know, the le- where it sits in the lexicon of things, yeah. you know, like fat, fast is fast is usually good. Right. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, we might want to look at something in, around industrialized or something like that, because we do have an understanding of what that means to some extent. Um, and people who, who are also, you know, someone, uh, you know, in these, in these spaces, you know, industrialization, uh, we, basically we've come to this place before where, there was too much of the same thing and it was overproduced and the quality went down and people were like, you know what? Ugh. And that's when you have the arts and crafts movement and sort of, you know, that's, that's when you get um, the sort of return to like, you know, like uh, Celtic kind of looking, you know, designs and the prairie style, all of that is a reaction to the overproduction of things um, in the, in the, uh, the mid to late eight, uh, 19th century. Um, and it was called upon not just by critics, but also by um, consumers Um the consumer who was buying, uh, you know, these fast things, you know, was suddenly open to the world of, I can, I can be an individual. I can do this, this, and this. And that's why there was so much out there. because people were buying so many different things. The, this globalized world that we live in, and I use globalized in its proper sense, not in the anti-Semitic one for any people listening for a dog whistle. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 we, we do lose a lot of regional, um, 
expertise and charm because things can be had by anybody from anywhere uh, in a way that has not really been seen before. Uh, it used to be that, you know, you had to go to the source or bring or, or have a connection to it in order to bring it to where you are or, you know, or, or, uh, or, yeah. or go over and buy yourself and ship you it yourself. There's, a, there's yeah. another point that I wanted to. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, and right. Carrie, just to know it, 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 it exists. In... Carrie was, Carrie was saying to know that it was there. Okay. Yeah, no, there's another point that I wanted to make on that. Is that the way fashion commoditizes ethnicity or like appropriation, cultural appropriation is now fashion to be or have what is traditionally someone else's and to covet that as being a trend is, is really destructive as well in terms of like going back to the origins of the way different people with different cultures made their clothes for their environments and and their patterns for their tribes and things like that. I think are we are we like too far away from from where we came from? What what do you guys think? What do you mean by too far away from? Just just that idea of like owning your fashion rather than being a victim of trends and fast fashion i'll i'll say this and then I'll, and I'll 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 get off my soapbox i think that this stuff isn't fashion i think that this is this is this is you know a, a, a dirty capitalist scheme which i love capitalism but it doesn't need to pollute yeah. and you know and and so i think that you know the more we call it fashion the 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 you know it just perpetuates the notion that it's in some way desirable or acceptable or anything other than just scummy and um and until we we uh we kind of have that as the mindset it's going to be really hard to get the consumer to get along with it uh and so yeah i, I think that it's uh it's not fast fashion it's uh you know industrialized garmature or something i don't know there's a word there yeah yeah just rebranded totally yeah i get that yeah yeah uh tristan did you want to say something we're going to wrap up in a, a few minutes this has been a really great conversation i've really enjoyed it i, I really appreciate all your contributions Yes, thanks for having us. I just wanted to end by saying that um, you were saying before, there are a lot of emerging brands from whether in Africa or um, anywhere else. A lot of these larger brands are looking at them and they're taking notes. And I, it's really interesting that a lot of these people now are asking specifically of brands, um, how do you make your fashion? Is it sustainable? People weren't asking these questions 10, 15 years ago. So there is there is an impact that's being made. How long can yeah. we wait to make a true impact? That's the question, you know, because that, that is really. Yeah. The- well, at least we're having the conversation and we're bringing it to a wider audience. I think we need to start start somewhere. I know time is of the essence. We've probably already passed our, our tipping point. Yeah, true. And um, now it's just a matter of survival for the future generations. So we need to try and make a change. Maybe we can have less of a negative impact but we've definitely already made the impact that we're going to have and start seeing coming in the coming years but um yeah so this is raising your consciousness um sustainable fashion podcast and today we've been talking about slow fashion and um i really appreciate you guys rome samuel kerry and tristan for all your contributions today so yeah i'm gonna wrap up this show does anyone have any last words about slow fashion um, in terms of what Samuel said, I love it, like rebrand fast fashion because it's not 
desirable. I think that is a, a good way to get people to start understanding that that's not the way to go. But like promoting slow fashion, um, like Rome said, it's something that we've always done. We need to just re-embrace our heritage as human beings on this planet, I would say. Um, that's my final thought. Yeah, and to embrace some complexity. I think that too often we try to find a singular solution forever and everything. And I think that allowing ourselves to bring complexity back into all of our like thinking <laughs> is, yeah. um, is amazing. Um, and I think that that's the only way we're going to be able to solve any of our issues from fashion to fuels um, is with that more complex thinking about seemingly simple things. Like you said, Papula, we, we've worn clothes for a really long time. Um, and now we're just thinking about clothes in a more complex meta way because it serves us to do so now. Yeah. And that's the challenge we need to overcome. The challenge and the answer, you know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this show now. If if anyone else has any final words, I'd love to hear them. If not, we'll be back next um, next week.